Well, hi everyone. It is great to be with you here today as we go through the next part of our series, Making Disciples. And today we're going to be looking at learning on the road. Now, a few weeks back when Jonathan was talking about the the L plates and about how we as disciples were, we're always learners. Now, I don't know what looking at those L plates, what kind of memories that conjured up for you, whether that was whether you were passing your test or failing your test or whether actually you're 15 and 16 now and thinking, okay, what's it going to be like when I finally learn to drive? For me, it just reminded me of those moments of actually like passing my test. Now, it was the second time of asking. I'd, I'd failed on the first time for, amongst other things, for speeding up a hill. I, uh, the the instructor, the test, the tester, kind of said to me, uh, "Do you do realise that this is a thirty mile an hour limit?" I, no, sir, I do not, and I will be taking you back to the test centre now. Um, so yeah, not great. Well, when I came to my actual test, which I passed, my driving instructor Mick on the way back from the test centre, he was congratulating me, encouraging me, and he said these words to me. He said, "Now is the moment when you really learn to drive." Sorry, Mick. Sorry, did I just hear you right? Now's the moment when I learn to drive. I've just spent hundreds of pounds on on you teaching me to drive, and I've just done this test, and now I'm learning? Didn't make sense. And obviously what he was kind of, what he was trying to imply to me was, whilst there's a difference between the, the theory and the practical side of, of driving, there's also a difference between the practical element of, of actually doing it where You've got someone supervising you. Um, you've got someone who's got their dual control pedals who can, you know, slam on the handbrake at any point, who can apologise to any passing motorists or pedestrians for anything that you've done wrong. And there's a difference between that and actually when you have to take full responsibility, when actually you, you have to do it all for yourself. And, and actually, as you learn to drive in those moments, as you get more experience of things, as you, um, you know, see different situations, actually, those are the moments where you really learn to drive. And, and in a sense, it's that getting out on the road, which is where you really learn to drive. And I want today to have a look at a couple of passages of the Bible. So if you've got that with you, that'd be really helpful. As we, as we think about this whole realm of how as disciples, how as followers of Jesus... We learn to get out on the road and how that getting out on the road will help us develop and help us grow in different ways. Now, if you're a Christian today, I want to challenge you to to get out on the road to to, you know, try and work out of different ways you can you can serve God and actually do something, have a go at some things. If you're not a Christian today, I really hope that some of these things will be helpful for you anyway, as we talk about doing things alongside each other and maybe there's a sense that for you, the stepping out and having a go and being on the road is actually you putting your faith in Jesus for the first time. What, however you're coming to this morning, I really hope and pray that, that there'll be something for you. So firstly, I want to have a look at Mark's gospel. Now, Mark, it's widely accepted that whilst Mark probably uh, saw some of the things which were going on in Jesus' ministry... Actually, he became a, a close acquaintance of Peter later on, and probably a lot of the stuff that we read about in Mark's Gospel are kind of Peter's eyewitness accounts. So um, we're going to be in chapter 6. Now, for some context, up to this point in Mark's Gospel, Jesus begun his ministry. He's been healing the sick. He's been drawing crowds together with him. He's been teaching them. He's appointed these 12 specific disciples and you know a closer group around him. He's spoken about God's kingdom through parables and, and he's actually raised a girl from the dead as well. 
Now, we come to chapter 6, verse 7, and it says this. It says, Calling the twelve to him, he began to send them out two by two and gave them authority over impure spirits. These were his instructions. Take nothing for the journey except a staff, no bread, no bag, no money in your belts, wear sandals but not an extra tunic. Whenever you enter a house, stay there until you leave that town. And if any place will not welcome you or listen to you, shake the dust off your feet when you leave as a testimony to them. They went out and preached that people should repent. They drove out many demons and anointed with oil many people who were ill and healed them. So we have a little insight here into how Jesus actually trained up the first disciples. There seems to be, there was a time when they were just observers where they watched him do some things and there was a time when actually you know he would have just taught them but there seems to be a moment here where actually we realize almost as we've heard in the last few weeks on these talks where it wasn't just about being in the classroom so to speak it wasn't just about them just soaking up all this information there seems to be a point where actually they had to get out and do something and and have a go and actually by doing that they'd find that they would learn far more and develop much more fully into what God was calling them to. So my first point is simply this, do something. And it, and it kind of feels harsh in a, in a few ways, but as I think about these disciples, I think actually they wouldn't have grown into the fullness of what God had for them if they didn't actually step out and, and start something and, and have a go. Now hear this, they were already his disciples. That had already happened because God had, because God had sort of predestined it. Jesus had chosen them as, as his disciples. It wasn't about anything that they'd done. Um, you know, it wasn't about anything that they'd achieved, but it was about his grace towards them. But if they wanted to grow into the fullness of everything that God had for them, they needed to, to do something Hebrews 11, we'll talk later on about um, exercising faith, about this sense of stepping out. It's one thing to believe that Jesus can do something if you're actually physically there just watching him raise a girl from the dead. It took them a lot more, I think, a lot more faith to accept that the authority that he'd said that they had been given would be there for them even when Jesus wasn't physically there. And actually that authority and God with them even though Jesus wasn't physically there. And to believe him when the circumstances and their feelings would dictate a completely different narrative. And we read that Jesus gives them a list of things that they should take, or or to be honest, actually it's a load of things that they that they shouldn't take. And there's a sense that we're trying to that he's trying to help them to to trust God in in all things in not just the spiritual things not just the um you know can Jesus heal the sick but actually in the practicalities of it for their for their clothing for their shelter for all those things it can be so easy sometimes where we kind of compartmentalize things actually don't we and we kind of say well actually I believe God for this but actually this bit I'm just going to do do myself and actually, there's there's the point that in these things, God needs to be our, our safety net. We, we can so easily just say, oh, well, well, I'll do this. But actually, if it doesn't work out, then, you know, well, I've got this covered anyway. We're doing all sorts of things. So, you know, in, in relationships and stuff like that, it's so easy to say, OK, well, God, I'm going to believe you for, you know, for a husband or a wife when I'm for when I'm 30 
for that moment. But actually, if it doesn't happen, then I'm just going to go for this anyway. I'm going to go, you know, go with this person. And and actually, for us, as we pray for people and all those other things as well, actually, we end up with our own sort of safety net. And God's saying, no, 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 like, let God be your safety net. God wants us to step out in different ways. He wants us to have a go. He wants us to start something and know that actually he is our safety net. What he's called us to, he'll lead us through. Now, my own story is that I came to university in Winchester um, to do sports studies and psychology and everyone around me was um, learning to be a teacher. It seems to be the way in Winchester everyone seems to be learning to be a teacher. That wasn't something that I ever was was keen on doing. Didn't really want to stand up in front of people um, and all that sort of stuff. So, um, But then a moment came where I was joining the church plant in down in Southampton and Chris Kilby said to me, as I was finishing uni, he said, oh, we've, there's actually an opportunity here if you want it for um, a job as a part-time PE teacher at a school. And I thought, well, okay, well, I'm not, not really sure about that, but I'll give it a go. And and actually, I went along to the interview. They they took a chance on me. I ended up getting qualified there, spent a number of years, a number of really great years there. And then the next job I got was in a school which was working with kids with physical disabilities. And again, it wasn't something that I had experience in, but by being there and by being in that environment, actually I learned that I could do far more, and I learned far more than I would have probably done in a in a lecture hall. But actually by doing something and by getting out there and, and doing it, I found I could I grew a lot more and developed a lot more. Now, as I think about these things, I think, well you know, standing up in front of people and trying to communicate with different people and, you know, a whole variety of, of needs and different people, then I think, well, two things, really. Actually, firstly, where's God, you know, where is God in that? Like, what what's he leading me to? What's he developing me for and all those sort of things? And I think I'm probably in that on that journey now and that process now. Um, but I also think, well, actually, if Chris had... If Chris had given me that opportunity, if Chris had sort of like suggested it and that opportunity had been there and I just said, nah, it's not, nah, it's not for me. Actually, where would I be now? And actually, what opportunities did I, would I have missed if I'd actually said no in those moments just by stepping out and just by giving it a go? And so I wonder what that looks like for you in terms of stepping out, in terms of giving it a go, in terms of serving God where he's placed you right now whether that's in terms of your work or your school situation, whether it's at uni or where it's at home bringing up, uh, bringing up your kids, what opportunities has God offered you which he could use to grow and develop you more? Now, just note, in that example I gave about me uh, becoming a teacher, that's not a church context. And actually God will often use things within our, our own daily life and our own work context and all those sorts of things to actually grow and develop us in different ways. It's not just about a church meeting thing. It's not just about us growing in that sense. Actually serving the church is not just about serving the church meeting. So I wonder, maybe he's off, you know, maybe suggesting to you that you should commit to pray in this time. Maybe suggesting to you that actually, you know, you need to help out looking after that family member. Maybe he's suggesting to you that you need to, get alongside some other people or or give someone a ring this week. It's about you getting a sense from God. And even if like these disciples, 
you don't have the full picture, you don't have all the resources at the moment, you just need to do it and leave the rest to him. And I tell you what, he will love the fact that you are just stepping out with what he's with what you feel that he's told you. And for us as a church, that means that we're going to have to get used to seeing people not doing things perfectly. Yeah, we're going to have to get used to actually seeing people taking their own risks and making some mistakes. We need to get used to cheering people on for taking that step of faith rather than setting a bar so high that people were never going to hope to achieve that from their first jump. Now, as I look back at the passage where Jesus sent out his disciples, it strikes me that he sends them out in pairs. Now, for me, if I'm thinking about the 12 disciples, you think, well, okay, 12 disciples, they can go to 12 towns and, you know, and that would be the most effective way to do it, the most efficient way to do it. But Jesus somehow thinks that by sending them out in six pairs, I mean, surely you can only go to six towns. But he seems to do it for a reason, because um, otherwise I assume that he wouldn't do it like that. And and there seems to be a point where actually by doing things in pairs, by doing things as a team, they can encourage each other, they can strengthen each other. He would have known the Jewish culture where actually it's a more powerful witness. If there's If there's more than one witness, then it's a more powerful statement about what's going on. And these pairs, they would have, you know, in the face of rejection and in the face of, you know, stuff going on, actually they would have needed to come alongside each other. And they would have known that the authority comes from Jesus, you know, the strengthening would come from from God. But actually there's a sense of that teamwork about them being together, which was needed as well. So we come to our next point, is about being alongside others. Now, you might have heard of the Apostle Paul who has written a, a lot in the New Testament and you might know a little bit about, about his story um, where he's someone who's come from being very anti-Christianity to has this encounter with Jesus and then goes around preaching the, the good news of Jesus and planting churches. And there's a number of his missionary journeys which are recorded in the book of Acts. Um, and I've had the privilege of joining with the, uh, there's a little Bible study group that uh, meets on Wednesday. And we've been looking through uh, some of these bits in, in more detail than, than certainly I have done before. And as I read through these, these three journeys which are recorded by, by Luke, um, Luke who, who writes the book of Acts, I'm struck by the number of occasions where Paul and it's talking about his journeys, but actually he's there with other people. It wasn't just him. So here's a quick summary. You ready? So on his first journey, we hear about Barnabas, John Mark, Judas, also known as Barsabas, as well as there being about talk about Paul and his companions. Now that phrase, Paul and his companions, is used again in the second journey, as well as hearing about Silas and Timothy, Priscilla and Aquila. And when writing it, Luke uses the personal pronoun we. So we can assume that Luke was there as well. He uses this again um, in the third journey, as well as us hearing about Timothy, Erastus, Sopater, Aristarchus, Secundus, Gaius, Tychicus and Trophimus. With apologies for pronunciation and if I missed any out. Now the point is that Paul didn't do these things on his own, even as he increased in his own gifting, even as is, is he developed himself he knew there was a value in doing it alongside other people he knew that he could achieve more in a pair 
in a team with other people than he could do individually. And it's him who later on write to the the church in Corinth in 1 Corinthians about us about us being a body about the church of God's people being like a body different members with different roles but joined together and it's why the game of of rugby is such a better example of teamwork than than football is as much as I love football now with football you can kind of you can sometimes get away with there being some individuals you can kind of get away with those people who um kind of just don't really don't really help out when you're really defending the goal a lot like when it you know when it's really hard work but then all of a sudden they get the ball they come to life and they dribble around a couple of people and score a goal and all of a sudden they're the hero now in rugby that does not happen now in rugby, you need to know that actually you've got your guys with you. You need to know that as you pick up the ball and as you plough into a load of massive guys in front of you, you need to know that when you go down, a load of your massive guys are going to come flooding over the top so that your team can retain the ball. So my question would be, who, who's on your team? Who are you travelling with? You know, it is it's great in a, in a church meeting context to serve alongside people in kids' work, in youth work, and the worship teams. And actually, I'd say that some of the most significant times in my life and some of the deepest friendships that I've got were kind of rooted in that, in that serving on either overseas, what we'd call like missions trips, or serving together in the Christian Union, or, or serving together in a, in a church plant situation. And, and actually, there's, there's that... That, those experiences of taking faith steps together, of, of fun and laughter, of getting things wrong, but of just, just strengthening and enjoying, you know, and encouraging each other, they're just so valuable. But what about now? What about in, in these moments? So you say, okay, okay, Phil, like, there's no church meetings at the moment, but you know what, I really feel like I'm serving God when I'm, when I'm homeschooling my kids at the moment. Okay, like that's that's amazing. That's so exciting for you. Like, who can you be traveling that journey with? Not necessarily actually like doing the task with, but who who else is going through a similar sort of journey who you could get alongside? And you say, Okay, well I feel like I'm I feel like I'm serving God when I'm leading my team in business, but actually there's there's no other Christians in, in my workplace. So what you know, what am I supposed to do? Just say, brilliant, that is so good. Who can you journey with? Who is in a similar situation to you who you can get alongside on a regular basis, who you can draw alongside and travel with? Maybe you feel like you want to commit to praying for the church or maybe you found a, you know, a, a book that's really helpful at the moment. Actually, there's, you know, are there ways that you could do the things that you're wanting to do but doing them alongside other people? Because it's not just about you stepping out in what God's, you know, leading you to. It's about you trying to do that alongside other people. And then all of a sudden, the journey takes on an added significance. The journey becomes as important as the destination. And as we grow together as children of God, supporting, encouraging one another, another Paul says in Romans 1.12, he says that you and I may be mutually encouraged by one another's faith. Let's do that with each other in the different ways that we feel that God is, uh, you know, leading us to individually. Let's get alongside each other as well and travel together. Let's find people to journey with who will encourage us out on the road.
so we've talked about doing something, talked about stepping out and having a go. We've talked about doing that with others alongside us. My final encouragement would be that we do this, we bring others on board as well. You know, like I said, there was times where uh, in the missionary journeys, it was referred to as Paul and his companions. There's a sense that, yeah, he was the one leading the trip, but there was, and there was other people with him, but he was the one leading it. And we read later about, you know, there, there's people who are perhaps younger in the faith than him. We think about Timothy in, in Acts 16, who Paul sees potential in, and actually he draws him alongside, he invites him to journey with him to live in his world, to live in the world of, of these, these missionaries, to be trained by getting involved to a point where actually Timothy is ready to step out on his own and is entrusted by Paul to teach others. And so then the cycle of discipleship continues. I'll take you back to when I was uh, a young guy in my, in my early 20s and Chris Kilby, who I mentioned before, um, he'd sometimes be invited to preach the gospel in different churches around the country and, and he would often take some of us younger guys with him. And I think the furthest I went with him was up to Bolton, um, you know, just just being together, travelling together, listening to his questionable music taste, um, you know, eating together, just being part of what he was doing. And I, th I feel like as I look back on them, they were formative times for me because they you know they gave me an insight into into his life rather than just what I was seeing on on the stage and as I spoke to him you know about the things which meant a lot to him about how he felt in terms of the preparation for a talk and a delivery of talk and how he felt afterwards actually it wasn't about the the destination with no offense to you guys who have Bolton roots it was more about the journey and about learning from just being with Chris. And so I think there's a challenge for us almost, like for those of us who are have some sort of responsibilities, whether that be in church or work contexts. Actually, it's not so much about who you're traveling with in these moments. It's more about, OK, well, who are you? Who are you helping to get out on the road? Who are you bringing on board? Now, I can look around and... You know, I have the privilege of, of you know, knowing a few of the, the, you know, the youth guys and the student guys. And, and I just know there's a whole load of really good people in our church who would really benefit from spending time with you. And it wouldn't be that you would need to do anything. Just just be yourself and just let just allow people into your life a little bit more. So that's my challenge for you. So who who for you? Maybe who's that younger person in the faith? whether that be actually, you know, in the youth or students, or maybe it's a, a mum or a dad who you can see actually, who you could strengthen by just being and getting alongside them. And you could then draw things out of them. Maybe you've done that sort of thing before. Maybe you've been let down, or maybe you've been the person to, to let people down in, in those sort of moments. And so it's always good to be reminded that actually God is a God of the second chance. Uh, we've read from Mark's gospel today and uh, and he was someone who, John Mark, who he was on the first missionary journey that we read of um, as I went through that list in Acts with his cousin Barnabas and Paul. But then, so he was with them, but then he left them. He chose not to carry on. And actually when there was talk of him returning, Paul wasn't interested 
and it actually led to a huge disagreement and parting of the um, partner, the ways really between Barnabas, Barnabas and Paul. But then when we look at Paul's later letters with Colossians and his second letter to Timothy, he talks of Mark as a great helper, as someone who he clearly has confidence in. Now, there's something here about as we are learning on the road, as we take risks, as we step out, as as we make mistakes, as other people make mistakes, but even in those moments that we learn from them and we must use them to drive us forward. The Bible is full of people who God gives second chances to, be that Jonah, Samson, Martha, Peter, David. You know, God doesn't disqualify them and he brings about his good purposes through their second chances. And as we finish, I want to go back to the disciples in Mark 6 and verse 30. It says this, the apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to him all they had done and taught. Then, because so many people were coming and going that they did not even have the chance to eat, he said to them, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. These disciples as they went out onto the road, as they worked in teams, as they saw all these different things going on, they, they came back to Jesus. And it's almost like they fed back to him. They fed back all the things that had been done. They didn't just think, oh, well, you know, Jesus has given us the authority and we'll just, we'll just take it from here, to be honest. Actually, no, no, no. They, they gathered around Jesus and he gave them rest. It feels that, you know, in all of these things, we need to remember that actually like it begins and ends with him the reason that we can even call ourselves disciples the reason that we can even contemplate serving an infinitely holy god is because jesus has made a way and any service that we do is actually as a an act of devotion in response to that more than anything else and we don't just begin with god's grace and just say hey like you know, I've got it from here. I'll just hang out with other Christians and it'll be fine. Actually, no, we need to keep on investing in our own relationships with Jesus by ourselves, get our own rest, our own nourishment in him and not just rely on other people. In the last words that we have written by Paul before he died in 2 Timothy 4, he leaves us with a series of personal remarks. Some of his former companions have, have dropped away. Some have moved on to different places and actually talks about it being like a time where he feels like everyone's deserted him. But in amongst it has this, verse 17, The Lord stood at my side and gave me strength. Because whilst travelling with others in the car is great, whether they're friends or a driving instructor with dual control, you cannot just rely on them. You need to be able to drive on your own and you'll realise that he was with you all along anyway. Let me just pray for us. Father, I want to thank you for your goodness to us. I want to thank you that all of this is in response to what you've done for us. Help us to step out. Help us to take risks, to enjoy the journey of learning on the road with you and with those around us. Make us more like you, King Jesus. Amen.